Welcome! Here at Waterstone, we are committed to proclaiming the kingdom of God and demonstrating Christ's love, justice, and mercy in our community. During this unique time, this season where all of our daily lives are affected by COVID-19, we believe that the kingdom of God is active and we, the church, are called to embody the presence of Christ in our community. How do we do that? During this series called Beyond the Weekend, we are exploring how to be the church beyond Saturday and Sunday and pursue God in our daily lives. If you are able, we would love to see you at one of our services in person. We invite you to go to waterstonechurch.org to RSVP for a weekend service time on Saturday evening or Sunday morning. It is wonderful to be with you all, to see your faces. For those of you who are at home, welcome. We are so glad that you are joining us here this morning as well. I wonder if any of you have had the same phenomenon happen to you where, whether it's a paper calendar or maybe your phone, sometime in the week you've been going through your schedule and all of a sudden something has popped up that was unexpected. It was the event the wedding, the vacation, the wonderful thing that you had planned for 2020 that all of a sudden is no longer happening. It's a really nice punch to the gut. And the problem is, I don't know about you, but I've seen this for myself, it doesn't happen only once. It seems like it happens about every two weeks where I'm reminded of just how much 2020 hasn't gone like it's been expected to. It's like we've been given a go straight to jail card. You don't get a pass go, you didn't get your $200, and now you're waiting, rolling die with a thousand sides, hoping that you get doubles. And really, no matter how many turns you pass, you never get back in the game. It's been discouraging and it's been hard, but I have some good news for you. I've thought of a strategy of five ways that you can waste this season well. You, you don't have to do things, and, and really, you don't have to get involved in the church. You don't have to be a participant in anything. I am helping you to bypass the next four to five months with finesse and intentionality so that at 11.59 on December 31st, you know that 2020 is done and over, but you all, unlike those who are not hearing my tips and tricks, have managed to waste it well. So, this is for all of you who would consider yourself Christians. If you do not consider yourself a Christian, you get a pass on this, but I will say these tips and tricks may still help you, so you might wanna listen anyway. So without further ado, the five best ways for a Christian to waste this season. Number one, be a spectator. Let me give you some specifics. Look the part, but stay anonymous. Be a cheerleader, but don't get too involved and don't let them know you as a specific. So that's number one, be a spectator. Number two, make it about yourself. It's all about you anyway, so just ask yourself these three main questions. One, do I like this? If the answer is no, don't do it. Number two, does this directly benefit me? No, don't engage. And number three, question that you can ask yourself to make it about yourself, do I gain anything out of this? And if I've been guilted into this, does it at least make me look good? If the answer is no to any of that, head in the opposite direction and say no. So that's been number one and two. What is the third way to waste this season well? Don't innovate your faith. It wasn't broke, 
so don't fix it. What does that look like? Well, never change your concept of what faith is. Blame anyone or anything that is not you. It's the other political party's fault. My pastor doesn't get it. And really, I'm the only one who really knows what's going on. This is not my fault, and I don't owe anyone anything. If you really wanna waste this season, listen to number four. Avoid commitment. How? Well, you don't really matter. Isolate and don't reach out. And if someone else gestures you with friendship, refuse it. Remember, you don't owe anyone anything. And don't get involved, because that's how they get you. And finally, you're my fifth strategy to waste this season well. Wait for everything to go back to normal. Only accept normal as the way things were. Believe that you're going to jump back into something when everything is normal. Reject anything that has come from COVID or any innovation that directly came as a result of COVID is inherently bad. Convince yourself that the church is not changing and all of this is temporary. Now, many of us might find humor in these strategies to waste this season well, but if we're being honest, we probably identify with a few, at least I know that I do. See, there are already enough things that are asking us to innovate and be creative and adapt from our job to our kids to everyday tasks like getting groceries. And something that we've chosen, like faith, really seems to be on the back of our lineup of important things because it's not the squeaky wheel and it doesn't ask for the grease, so it doesn't seem essential. In all seriousness, this season has been hard, and it's been difficult not to turn inward and just wait until everything is over. It is easy to waste this season. But the church is an essential part of God's strategy, of God's plan to bring his kingdom here on earth, which means it's far too important and necessary for us to just put it to the side and hope that when everything's back to normal, we can pick it back up. The church is too important not to adapt and to put on hold in this season. See, if Christ's church is dependent upon our world circumstances, like pandemics or economic prosperity, or the correct political party being in power, then we have misunderstood what the church is. I want you to bring to mind maybe a Christian or, or a group of Christians who have really inspired you. Maybe it's those who went into the middle of the city during the bubonic plague and they helped all of the people who were suffering. Or, or maybe there's a specific individual who really has impacted you and inspired you to become more like someone who is working hard in the kingdom of heaven. I wanna tell you something about those stories that we tell and retell. See, rarely are they about people who only gave God their Sunday morning. The stories that we hear and retell about people in the church rarely, if ever, come from people who only gave God their Sunday morning. See, if the church is to bring the kingdom of heaven here on earth, we need to give God more 
than just our weekend. As Billy said, we're starting in a three-week-long series called Beyond the Weekend, which means that our faith must impact something more than just our Saturday evening or our Sunday morning routines. And I think that the way that we begin to engage that, especially in a time of COVID where everything has been chaotic, is to begin with the basics, the where, the who, and the what of the church. Because I think if we understand where the church is and who the church is and what the church does, we're compelled to move beyond the weekend. We are compelled to bring the kingdom here to earth and where we understand that it is God who has inspired us. It is God who gives us all that we need for this time, for this place. It doesn't have to come from within us. It comes from him. So let's start with the basics. Will you pray with me? Jesus, I come before you asking for you to teach us basics of who you have created your church to be. Lord, I pray that from this space we will go out, we will be empowered to move in your kingdom for your glory. Will you speak through me this morning? In your holy name I pray, amen. So this morning we're looking at Ephesians 4, verses 15 and 16. Will you listen as I read these? Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So we're starting with the basics. Where is the church? Is the church this building, this period of time, Maybe all of you who are joining us? Well, yes and no. The church is wherever Christians have gathered. It's really the place where Christians have ministered. Now, you probably already knew that, and you don't need to me to remind you that church is not a building, but it's who we are. But I wanna point out one small and specific thing for you. See, the author of Ephesians is actually a man named Paul. And Paul wrote this book while he was on a two-year stint of imprisonment within his home. That's right. Paul was confined to the walls of his home for two years, and he wrote the book of Ephesians. In fact, he didn't just write the book of Ephesians. He wrote three other books, Philemon, Philippians, and Colossians. And the thing is, we are so caught up at times with being in a specific place, we forget that the church functions outside of four walls. Now, there's no doubt in our mind that Paul was engaged fully in fellowshipping, in discipling, in worshiping, in encouraging, and being a part of the church, even though he had not left his house for two full years. Now, for those of you who are at home wondering, how does this sermon pertain to me? I can't be there with you, whether it's because I need to stay safe at home or I have a beloved person that I am staying quarantined for. Don't stop listening yet because the church is not confined to a place. The church is wherever Christians are ministering, wherever Christians have come together that is where the church is. And I know in a time of COVID, our concept of church really has been turned upside down where we've wondered, 
I don't know what this looks like. My, where I sit in my church has been completely changed around. Where I am within the church has been completely changed around. And that's the problem is some of our modern concept of what church can be is not what scripture has intended. See, we've limited it to a place or a setting with specific jobs and locations and times so that our where has become synonymous with a building like Waterstone or maybe even more specifically a room in a building like the worship center. See, this inherently poses a problem for all of you who are watching at home or elsewhere because just like my tip to waste this season, if you're waiting for things to go back to normal, it means that you've missed months of being the church. You've missed the time of the life of the church. See, if the church is relegated only to a specific place, then that means that you can't participate and you have no hope to, especially if you're staying safe at home. We need to expand our idea of the church. In the Greek, the word is ekklesia, which literally just means gathering. So if we've established that the church is not a place, but it can happen in a place, then let's go from there. The reason this is important is because when church becomes where we go for services, then who we are is lost as well. We can easily convince ourselves that we don't need other believers or the people that are around us are just happenstance. We become very content with moving around as independently functioning little churches within a larger building. And if we're lucky, we get a good sermon, maybe some good worship, but we go from that place and we really don't fellowship with who the church is. We're content to be independent and not committal. We're content to avoid connection, but that is not who the church is. So then, who is the church? Now you probably know this, the church is all believers from all times. So this is invisible and visible. We hear about the cloud of witnesses in Hebrews 12, and those are believers who have gone before us and who are no longer on this earth. But it's also all of us who are here in this room, who are online and who are elsewhere in the building. See, I know that that's not earth shattering, and you probably already knew that, and you probably could tell me a lot more about who the church is. But I want you to take a moment and reflect on the way that you think about the church, the way that you think about other believers, the way that you treat other people. Does that show that we actually know who the church is? Because the church is the corporate life of believers. And there are individuals who make up the body, but they are not independent from the body. In verse 16, we read, from him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So there are two things I wanna highlight about this verse. First one, you matter. You matter. It is not just about the whole, but it is easy to believe that my part really isn't significant and no one's going to notice really if, if I just don't do that because I'm only one in a very large thing. But I'd love to look at a few real life examples of what happens when one or maybe a few ones decide that they don't really matter. Take a look at the screen. That's not Starbucks, that is sucks coffee. Okay. Well, what about this? Microsoft. 
the tech company who can't get their sign correct. Makes me trust it a lot, right? That's what happens when a one decides that it doesn't matter. See, you matter. All of you as individuals matter for the whole. We are unified, but we are not uniform as each part does its work. See, if we choose not to do our part, as it says in verse 16, it's like a sign that's missing something and we matter as a part of the whole. Second thing I wanna point out about verse 16 is that we are to be unified with Christ as the head. See, it's not us who are fueling things. It is Christ who is bringing us together, who is this divine constructor of what's going on. And the Greek word for being fitted together describes a, a very precise process. It's, it's a process of measuring, of designing, of placing, of replacing, of coming and, and sanding down so that each brick fits perfectly for the sake of the whole. What that means for us is that each one of us in the body, each one of you who is listening at home, has been precisely created and then placed for the good of the whole. You matter, and it is Christ who unifies us and who has placed us together as the who. Our connection with one another is vital for what the church has been called to do. So what has the church been called to do? Well, this can be tricky sometimes because it can look like we're doing things in the church when we're not actually doing anything. I want you to imagine for a moment with me that the Broncos are playing and that we are sitting in Broncos Stadium. Now, there is a difference between those who are sitting in the stands and those who are playing on the field. Now, the people in the stands are avid watchers. We love our Broncos fans. And many of them are wearing the jerseys of those who are playing on the field. Some of them on particularly hot days might be sweating as much as those on the field. And they might know all of the stats like those playing on the field. But they are not actually playing the game. See, they look the part, but they aren't playing the part. And unlike the Broncos, we don't have a limited number of players who can be on the field. And so there are many of us who at times have placed ourselves in the stands and sometimes in the nosebleeds, convincing ourselves that we are doing what the church has been called to do because we look the part. But we have been called to do kingdom work, which means we have been called to be players on the field. And there is no limit to how many can play. So what does it look like for us to be in the game? What do we do? Well, quite simply, in Christ, the church grows. The church grows in three ways. In maturity, in commitment, and in love. As the body, we grow and mature in Christ. Like I said, Christ is the head. And in all the ways that we can waste this season, there is a common thread that we forget as we think about growing and maturing and doing church. We've made it about ourselves. My drive, my initiative, my energy. 
But we have to remember that it is Christ who says he is supplying all that we need to grow and to mature. See, the body also builds itself up in commitment. That is part of what it means to speak truth to one another, to do our part. As we work together, we see that we are actually empowering one another to continue to use the gifts that we have been given. In in Ephesians 4, we read about these gifts. We read about the different ways, again, that you and I have been constructed very precisely and given the gifts that we need to build one another up, to build the body up so that we continue to grow in maturity. And as we function in those things, as we do what we have been called to do, the church grows. Finally, the church also grows in love. When we look at verse 16, we see that the body builds itself up by speaking the truth in love and by growing and building itself up in love. The way that we extend love to one another is what helps us to grow. This is not only the love that Christ has given us as believers, but this is the way that we interact with one another. This is what the church does. We grow and we mature as we interact in love. And from that outflows into the world around us. From us is where we bring other people into the kingdom. It's where we incorporate others. It's where we cannot help but tell others about the kingdom of heaven because of what we have experienced, both with Christ as the head, but also what we have experienced in the body of Christ. It is a divine community that we cannot function without. See, much of the language in Ephesians 4 is construction language, and this in love part is the glue of our unity but what does the church do? Some of you may be sitting here going, great, I understand that we grow in maturity and love, but, but I'm a little more practical. I need some handholds for this. I need to know concretely what I am to do. So what can I do? What do I do? Well, I wanna pause this for a moment because no one likes a bait and switch. And that is not what this sermon is, but it would be very easy to hear what I'm about to say and go, well, you only preached that so that you could get me to join one of your programs. And that is not the case, but I will say Waterstone has been asking some really good questions because just like you all, we've been reevaluating what does the church do? When it can't function like we've understood it to function for years and years and years, what does the church do? And so we have come up with four things that I would love for you to enjoy and and to be a part of. I would love for you to join us in this, but remember, not all of these are going to be for you. These are our suggestions for you. These are the ways that we're inviting you in, but the church does function in many ways. So... Uh, The first thing, and, and I think this is for all of us, commit. Commit to being a part of the body of Christ. Whether you're at home or you're here in Waterstone, commit to being all here. We don't get to reap the benefit or see the intimacy of relationship when we only partially commit or we wonder what's the outcome going to be and only then when I see it will I commit. So that's the first thing, commit to being a part of the body, commit to being a part of a local body. Second, we we have gone through some different wrestlings within Waterstone and and we've come up with three main things that we wanna emphasize through whatever we do this fall. And the first thing is connection and then discipleship 
and finally, neighboring. So these are the things that regardless of whatever you get involved in in Waterstone, we are hoping to focus on one, if not all three of those things. So the four main things that we see those come through is first, small groups. Now, many of you have been a part of a small group in the past, and maybe that small group is happening again this semester. I am so happy to hear that. But for those of you who are at home and maybe don't feel comfortable with going out of your home, that is okay. We've actually come up with three different ways that you can experience small groups in the semester. The first one is a digital and online platform. I want you to know we do not want to pressure anyone to leave their home before they are feeling comfortable to. So we've created a way for you to experience the community of Christ without leaving your home in that digital platform. Second thing that we've done is we've made it just the traditional small group that you've always experienced, and we would love for you to join that. Maybe it's a new small group and you've never done that, or maybe it's an existing one. And if you've been a part of a small group for a long time, I wanna challenge you to something because we've also created something called house churches. Now, house churches are groups of individuals who've decided, you know, we wanna take this a step further. We want to live out our faith and, and do life together in a more dynamic way. We're gonna keep one another accountable and we're going to pray with one another and serve with one another and really build that connection unlike what we've seen before. Or maybe you have and you've already been functioning like a house church and now there's some more that you can do within that. So I wanna challenge you, if you've done small group for 10 years and you have not done a house church, consider joining a house church this semester and just see what the body of Christ might have for you. All of these signups are happening online and they are open right now, so you can find them at waterstonechurch.org and we would love for you to sign up. Small groups will launch after Labor Day. Three other things that we are doing in this semester. One of them is the marriage course, which I am particularly excited about because well, none of us have been married in a pandemic before. And I know that this has meant that I need some space for conversation. Maybe I've needed a prompt for some connection between my husband and I. And for those of you who have kids, maybe you just need a space to really deeply connect with your spouse intentionally in a time of COVID. We've never done this before. It's free. It's going to be starting in October. And so we would love to help build up your marriage as a part of the body of Christ this semester at Waterstone. Second thing, or third thing that we are doing is justice in action. Many of you have participated in this course before and it is one of the best ways that we can understand what the kingdom of heaven is like and what God's justice is intended for the kingdom here on earth. So I would highly recommend that you join that. That is also happening in October. And finally, you've heard about neighboring here at Waterstone. We are doing monthly neighboring initiatives and so Every month, at the beginning of the month, we will launch something new that you all can engage in, whether you're in a small group or not, by yourself or with a group, to engage those around you to begin neighboring. These are gonna range from serving to just getting coffee with people. And so we're very excited about that. Keep your ears open for September, October, November, and December. Again, it would be easy to leave this space thinking that the past 25 minutes was just to get you to sign up for one of our programs. See, the suggestions that I have may not be for you, but the truth of the matter is many of us, without making the decision, will actually take my anti-strategy and my bad advice, and we will waste this season. 
So we want to invite you not to waste this season, to engage what the church has with intentionality and to flow over for the kingdom of heaven in love. I want to challenge you this morning to go beyond the weekend, to be more than just a weekend Christian. Will you stand with me here as we, in response, recommit to the where, to the who, and to the what of church as we read an ancient creed, the Apostles' Creed, which has been read by Christians for centuries and really reminds us of the unifying part of what it means to be the body of Christ. So will you stand and read this aloud with me? I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again, He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the holy universal church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen.